In today's Firestorm broadcast, I share a week in the life. No guest, just a week in my life. Everybody says they want to see the greater works. Jesus says that uh, his followers would do greater things than he did. I believe that before you can see the greater works, you need to see the same works. Same things Jesus did. Then you can see greater works. I'm just going to go through a week in the life detailing testimonies after testimony that you too can run with because I'm not special. The same thing that Jesus did in me, he'll do in you. It's available. So I'm going to start with, and honestly, I'm excited because I don't get to usually share these. I'm going to share things that have just happened recently. So these are all within the last week, week and a half. All right. Um, I want to provoke and encourage you, the listener, that there is so much out there in the Christian life. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these you'll do. So I believe that we're not going to be able to do greater works than Jesus did until we do the same works that Jesus did. So I'm going through the scriptures and I'm looking at all the things Jesus did in his normal day-to-day life. And, uh, you know, obviously he's blind eyes are opening. He's um, lame are walking. Um, Withered hands are restored, raising the dead. Uh, This was a normal part of Jesus's ministry. And I don't believe that he did that to show us what he could do. I believe he did that as a good teacher to show us what we would do. And he is modeling what the Christian life looks like. The Christian life looks like Being love, Jesus was love incarnate. He and the Father are one. Being love every day, everywhere you go. Being eager to love. You know, I'm sorry to say that for so much of my Christian life, if you had asked me what are the, what are the hallmarks of a Christian? You know, how do you know someone's a Christian? Um, I don't think the first thing that came to my mind would say, oh, they love dramatically. They are so reckless in the way they love. They are the kindest people. They just move in such love. I don't think that would have been the first thing that came out of my mouth. I think I would have said they know a lot of Bible. I think I would have said they, you know, love the Lord, but I don't think my experience was that Christians were not uniquely loving in the world. So And I think that's an indictment on all of us. So what the Lord's been doing with me for the last several years is really bringing me around full circle to to show that Jesus didn't come to show us what he could do, but to show us what we would do. And me, in my just audacity as as who who I am as a man, I'm just willing to step out and try it. I'm just willing to step out in faith. And I've seen a lot of really cool things happen. So we said before that Jesus said that we would do greater works than he did. But before we can do greater works, we need to do the same works. So, yeah, I have I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen one resurrection. Uh, I haven't seen deaf ears open yet. I've seen lots of, you know, I've seen withered hand. We'll talk about that one today. Uh, I've seen the lame walk. I've seen lots of pain go away. I've seen cancer leave the body instantly in a moment. Um, Well, she felt it leave, and then she went to the doctor, and he confirmed it. Um, I've seen people get out of being on a deathbed, and in one prayer, 
total breath returns to their bodies. All of their pain goes away and they're released from the hospital within 24 hours. That was after being in there for two weeks. So I've seen a lot of cool stuff. These testimonies are not about me. Remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So all of these testimonies that I share or anyone shares are just to excite and provoke the body of Christ to step into this, to run with us. There are so many people around the country that are stepping into the fullness of what Jesus paid a price for, and they're doing it by moving in love, not doing love, but being love. And it's not their love. It's the love of the Father. It's the, it's the love of God that lives inside of us is coming out. You'll know that it's not you because you'll start knowing things that you wouldn't normally have known when you connect with these people. You'll start seeing things like people getting healed in the grocery store. You'll start seeing people rededicate their life. Uh, let's just start with this first one. Um, so this was about a week ago. I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was doing an equipping conference. I'm very thankful to be able to do that and volunteer and just coach people and encourage people to uh, be love, go out on the street, lead people to Jesus through love, see people healed through love, move in the prophetic through love, all of it through love, and it's all the Lord. So I was out and, you know, sometimes this group, they send me out with a film crew uh, which I don't love because I'm an introvert, but they like to gather data. So they put a wire on me sometimes and someone hides in a bush with a camera. And, uh, you know, as we just go up and talk to people and they get the data and people get healed and saved and cool stuff. So I had the camera crew with me, a uh, sweet young woman, sneaky ninja girl that can, like I said, hide in a bush with a camera and, uh, Look like she's on her phone, but in fact, she's recording on her on her phone, on her camera. And I got a wire on so they can hear what's going on. And we were out and I was looking for a place to park. So I have the camera crew with me and another buddy of mine. We go out in teams of two or three. Usually we're looking for a place to park. I'm in downtown, you know, Harrisburg. It's a big area, but kind of down in the seedier section where there's a lot of street people and a lot of just sad people, destitute people. We like to go there because I've found when you go to the dark place, the light is way brighter. So if you want to see Jesus show off, if you want to see the Holy Spirit show up in exciting power and authority, go to the dark places, go to the scary places, and you will see the light come. When you pray for someone, you know, in church, wherever, uh, my experience is I don't see as much as when I go into places that are more depressed, more just a level of, of risk in that, that activates faith. So we're down in downtown Harrisburg and I go in a parking garage to park and the parking garage, as I pull up to the ticket window and pull the ticket, I find out this is a private garage. You can't park here. You have to be going to one of these banks or one of these mortgage companies or whatever. But there's a man in the guard shack right there, a lovely man. I'd give him mid-60s. And uh, I explain to him, hey, I'm just looking for public parking. I guess I can just make a U-turn here and get out. And can you give me any leadership on where to park? Nice man. He says, oh, yeah, go down a block or two, make a left, make a right, park there. It's easy. And I say to him. Hey, um, 
I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And when I meet somebody like you, a stranger who I'm never going to see again, hey, as I drive away, I'm going to pray for you. How can I pray for you? And the man just looks at me. That's not his expectation. And he says, you're a Christian. And I said, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. So I think he's just vetting me at that point. You know, what is it? What does it mean? You're going to pray for me. You're going to go like rub some beads together, light a candle. I don't know. Is a chicken going to lose its life? They don't know. So you have to clarify. So I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. How can I pray for you? I'm going to drive away and pray for you. And the man, I like to say that I, like, I do this at drive through windows. I do this, you know, on the phone when you get, you know, a, a weird telemarketer or whatever. I talk to him for a second, tell him, no, I'm not interested or whatever, like we all do. But then I say that I tag that on at the end. Hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, just this thing that I do whenever I meet, you know, a stranger like yourself who I'm never going to see again. Hey, after we hang up, I'm going to pray for you. How can I pray for you? And people are undone and they, they, they're open to prayer. And then depending on how it goes, I pray for them right then. I'll, I'll often say, hey, well, let me just do it right now while you hear it so you know I did it because I think it'll encourage you. I've never had anybody hang up the phone. So I said that to this man. Hey, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to drive away. Hey, how can I pray for you? And he starts sharing this story. He says, my daughter is a young adult now. She was raised in a Christian home, raised in church. We were a homeschool family, but now she's pretty much living in a cult in like Nicaragua or Costa Rica or someplace in Central America. And he told me your name and a biblical name like Rachel or Rebecca or something like that. And, uh, So I said, hey, I just want to do that right now here so you hear it. And he was absolutely receptive. And I just prayed quickly. So another key point in all this is when when you're hearing these testimonies, prayer is quick. It cannot be long and drawn out, and it can never be about you. It's got to be about the recipient, and it's got to be about what the Lord is doing. It's not about you. So if you can get yourself out of the way, it makes it a whole lot easier, for, especially for someone like myself. I'm more introverted. I really am not super comfortable, but that's okay because it's not about me. It's the Lord in me that's doing it, being love. So I just prayed something like this. I think her name was uh, Rachel. I said, Father, I just thank you for the life of Rachel. I thank you, Lord, for the heritage that you put in her from what she learned from her parents of how much you love her. And Lord, you said that you leave the 99 to go after the one. So I thank you, Lord, right now to go after the one that you would remind her how much you love her, that the love of her father would so cover her right now, protect her from all attack of the enemy. And just I thank you, Lord, just to call her home, call her home, Lord, in Jesus name. Simple like that, maybe a 20-second prayer. And the man just is so thankful. He's starting to get teary. And uh, then my buddy, who's part of the team, uh, rolls down the window and gives him a um, a bad word of knowledge, <laughs> which happens sometimes. Says, you know, hey, something, something. And the guy's like, no, I don't, I don't have that pain or that's not going on with me. And uh, so, you know, it, it could get sidetracked right there. But here's the cool testimony part of the testimony. This man, he comes back to me. He's standing next to the car. My window obviously is rolled down and he looks in my window and I'd give him mid sixties. He says this, he says, my wife died about seven years ago and I just miss her so much. I miss her. I just loved her so much. And he said, 
can you pray for me because I struggle with, you know, impure thoughts. And this is the first time in my life that someone in this situation has confessed. A lot of times people will share their hurts, their pains, but this is the first time that someone had come and just poured out a confession. And what a beautiful opportunity to just be love in that situation. So I prayed for him one more time. And this time I took his hand and I said, Father, I just thank you for my brother. I think his name was Robert. I thank you, Lord, for Robert, that he is a man of integrity, that he is a man of purity because of your cross and your blood. I thank you, Lord, to get the victory in his life for what you paid a price for. Fill him right now with your presence that he would know how much you love him and that you see him in Jesus name. And the man is now crying. He is a parking lot attendant. You know, this is a rough dude in the downtown area. This is not, you know, normal, I think, experience. And he says this to me. He says, this is absolutely the best part of my day. Thank you so much. And I made my U-turn and I went and I parked. Folks, it is not hard. It is not hard to do this. If you go with the mentality of it's not about me. Lord, what do you want to say to these people? What do you have for them? And then you just go about your day. The Lord will manifest through you because that's what he wants to do. He wants to touch this world. He And Jesus came to model exactly what it looks like. And now Jesus goes back to the Father. He says, I'm going to give you the spirit, same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us, the same spirit We'll have that same spirit. So all we do is manifest who we really are, which is a carrier of the very presence of God. If you are a born again believer, if you have prayed to receive Jesus, I want to encourage you. There is so much more than just praying a prayer to go to heaven when you die and then white knuckling this Christian life for the next 60, 70, 80 years, however long you have. There's so much more. There is an opportunity to manifest his love and his presence to people every day, everywhere you go. So that was a testimony of of Robert. And it was just so beautiful because the truth is people, they don't really have much of a reference point for this. They are. It is so far and few between when you come in love, they don't quite know what to expect. So when you come in love and you pray for people in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit just comes in like a grace underneath of that, and people are just touched, and they're undone, and they're reconnected to their Father who sees them and loves them, and you just leave this you know beautiful connection with them. So that's what the Firestorm Live broadcast is about, is just encouraging you to step into this. We want to demonstrate by the testimonies that we share, what it looks like, then you can then go practice and do the same thing that we do because we're not special. I'm not special. I'm just a business owner. Many of you all know me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I am in full-time Christian service. I run a Christian school, uh, but this is not for the elite. This is for every single believer. And it's so exciting. It's so thrilling. So let me give you another one. Let's see. This one was Tuesday last week. So I come home from that equipping conference that I had mentioned and was in Pennsylvania and I come home and I have a, I have a text message from a friend and she says, Hey, I'm in Jamaica. (laughs) I think she had just gone down there for vacation and had just landed that day. And she says, I have a friend here who fell and broke her arm, broke her wrist 
two weeks ago. She's in Jamaica. She has one of those old plaster casts on the kind, you know, that we used to use years ago before we had the, you know, kind of the lighter, newer ones. So she's got this heavy plaster cast on her arm. Um, but she can't move her thumb from the broken hand. She feels like she has nerve damage or something. Her pain is at an eight or a nine in the thumb. So she's not asking for prayer for the arm as much as whatever's going on with the thumb. So she texts me this and says, can you pray for her? Well, of course, I'm thankful. And I, and I do get requests like that fairly frequently. Um, but we can all do this. So let me model what it looks like. So the scriptural support for this is Jesus healing the centurion's servant. You might know the story. It's in Luke 7. It's also in Matthew 8. Um, so Jesus goes into Capernaum. And he is met by um, the Jewish elders. Uh, the, the, the man who built their synagogue there uh, is a Roman centurion, loves the Jewish people, and he builds their synagogue. Well, that centurion has a sick servant, apparently like deathly sick. And he asks the Jewish elders to please carry his concern to Jesus, that Jesus will come in and heal his servant. Which is interesting because he knows the, you know, the protocol um, during, you know, obviously during that time, uh, a Roman doesn't go and talk to a Jewish rabbi. There's an uncleanliness with a Gentile and it's just a lot of social pitfalls there. So he sends other rabbis to talk to Jesus. And Jesus heals the centurion servant at a distance, never seeing him. He's impressed with the centurion's faith. The centurion's faith, it looks like this. He says, you know, Lord, actually, you don't even need to come because I'm a man under authority. I tell my men do this and they do it. Come here and they come. Go there and they go. I don't have to be there. I just say the word and they do it. So Lord, you can just say the word, Lord, and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come. Well, Jesus gets thrilled about this. He says, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. And he says, your servant is, will be, is healed. And they find out through a messenger, which back then obviously is a runner. Today, it's a cell phone. <laughs> Today, it's a text message. That's our electronic messenger. They find out through the messenger that uh, the servant was healed immediately, completely. Fever left him at the moment that Jesus said that. So there is scriptural precedent for healing over a distance. So I have this opportunity to talk to um, my friend in Jamaica and her friend, is, the lady's name is Christine. Christine broke her arm uh, about two weeks ago. She's in a big plaster cast and she's asking for prayer because something's going on with the thumb in the broken arm. She's unable to move it. She feels like she has nerve damage or something, shooting pain at an eight or a nine. So my friend that's down there, I said, hey, well, you know, the word says we lay our hands on the sick. So if you could just put your hand on Christine, uh, we'll pray together. I'll pray, but you lay hands on. So she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's, there's two of us here. And I think that's a biblical model also is that we really always want to, whenever possible, whenever two or more are gathered, Jesus says, I'm there in their midst. And my experience is I see a lot more people healed when I'm coaching someone or with someone or with my wife than when I'm by myself. You know, maybe it's 
my own faith needs to grow. Maybe it's the Lord is just encouraging me to teach more people because when I teach and coach them, lots of cool stuff happens. So my friend, uh, Catherine and I, we're praying for this lady. So she's at a pain of an eight or a nine, can't move her thumb. We pray quickly. Uh, healing prayer sounds something a little different. So when we pray for healing, we don't beg our father. All right. That's the model that I saw and learned as a kid, you, as a young man, even, um, father, you love, you love this person so much, Lord, you can heal them. Would you heal them? They're a, you know, they're a good believer, Lord, would you touch them? You know, and we just kind of grovel at the feet of our father. And I never saw anybody healed that way. I prayed for lots of people, never saw anybody healed. I did start seeing people healed supernaturally, miraculously in the moment when I started thanking the Lord for what I wanted to see. And I used the um, uh, Jesus at Lazarus's tomb as a model. You know, Jesus at Lazarus's tomb, he doesn't beg the father. He says, Father, thank you that you hear my prayer. I know you always hear my prayer. I didn't say it because I don't believe it. I said it so all these people around us could hear that uh, I know you always hear me. It's kind of a cool little sidebar that Jesus does. But then he says three words. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He doesn't beg the father. He doesn't say, Father, Lazarus was an intercessor. And without him here in our culture, his sisters are going to be destitute. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't beg. He steps in as a son talking to his father with the authority given to him by the father. And he says three words, Lazarus, come forth. He commands what he wants to see happen. And I see Jesus doing that throughout. Check me on this. Look through. You're going to see, you know, Jesus, we'll talk, hopefully we'll get to uh, Jesus healing the man with a shriveled hand. That's Matthew 12. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. He commands the body. He says, pick up your mat and walk. He doesn't beg the father. So that's what I did with Christine. Here's what the prayer sounded like for the lady in Jamaica over the phone. I'm on speakerphone now. Um, with the broken arm and the messed up thumb, pain of an eight or nine, unable to, with, uh, with no movement in her thumb. It sounded something like this. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to pray for my sister, Christine, you love her so much, Lord. You pray, you paid such a high price for us. I just thank you, Lord, for the victory that you bought on the cross. And we want you to get all the victory. So get your victory, Lord. On the authority of Jesus Christ, I command thumb be healed right now. I thank you for wholeness. And then I just kind of riff on, you know, what I kind of know is going on. I thank you, Lord, right now, all nerves regrow right now. All pain, get out, body be healed, all movement return on the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep it short. It is not about you. The longer you talk, the more you make it about you. And that's usually actually a spirit of unbelief. You know, when we, when we, many words, right? It's often because we don't really believe it ourselves. So we just kind of fill the air with more words. The spirit of unbelief is really what we're fighting here. So I asked Christine to check it. What do you notice going on in your body? And she pauses for a moment and she says, it's about a four now. So it wasn't eight or a nine and it's cut down to like a four. And I said, well, how about movement? How's the movement doing? She's like, I'm moving it. I said, okay, let's pray again. 
So if you don't see it completely, totally healed the very first time, which is super cool when it happens, but honestly, my experience is probably 70-80% of the time it takes more than one prayer, sometimes three. I usually don't go more than three or four, but it's not always one. So don't think if you pray one time and it doesn't immediately change that you, you know, don't stop, right? Jesus prayed two times for the blind man at the pool of Siloam. You know, the first time he prayed, he said, you know, what do you notice? And the guy said, oh, everyone's like trees walking around. They're giants. Jesus prays a second time and all of his sight returns. So if Jesus can pray two times for someone, that's our model. We can pray more than once. So Christine, who had no movement in her thumb and pain of an eight or a nine, which is pretty severe, um, goes from that to a pain of a four and movement returning in about 20 seconds. I'm like, okay, can I pray again? She says, yes. So we pray again. That prayer sounded something very short. Father, I just thank you, Lord, so much. You who began a good work, bring it to completion. In Jesus' name, I thank you for wholeness in her body. And I command all pain, get out right now. Thumb be healed, all movement return. New nerves grow. And then usually on prayer number two is when I get into if there's any spiritual attack could be going on, which I don't know, but I just cover it anyway. And I would have worked in something like spirit of affliction, any spirit of infirmity. I command you to let her go in Jesus name. Get out, let her go and don't return on the authority of Jesus Christ. And I ask her to check it. And this is where faith really rises, guys. This is the point. So the check it is where everybody's faith rises. And I love it when I coach people on this and we take them out and they meet somebody who's got some injury or pain and um, they pray and the person's pain goes away. They're starting moving their back or their hips or their neck or whatever. And they're like, yeah, this is crazy. It doesn't hurt anymore. I love it when the person who prayed for them is more shocked (laughs) than the recipient, right? I don't know how much faith there is in that, but I know the Lord loves us. So when we step into it and manifest his love, I just truly have seen it so many times that that's where the activation of faith brings the healing. You step in. So when you step in and then you say, hey, can you check it? Usually you're going to pray one time and people are polite. They say, thank you. They have no expectation that anything is going to change. Zero. And they're just being polite. But I say, no, no, no check it. And then I often say this, Hey, and don't be nice to me because we're in the South. People are nice. They're polite. You know, I've been in other places (laughs) where they're not polite and they'll tell you straight up. Uh, London is rough like that, but, uh, down here, people will just be kind. They'll, you know, they'll be limping and, and pray for them and, Oh, it feels better. And they'll just limp away the same way. They were just being nice. So I always say, Hey, could you check it? You were at an eight and then it was a four. What do you notice going on in your body? Don't be nice to me. So my friend, Christine in Jamaica, she's moving her thumb and she says, I have zero pain. I have no pain and all my movement is returned. And I said, praise Jesus. It's all about him. He's touching your body right now. Do you want to thank him? She's already a believer. Now, why do I work that in? Because if they're not a believer, this is the opportunity where you lead them to Jesus. So see healings, it's not about the healing. It's about getting them to know 
the Lord. You know, this is eternal life, that they would know God and Jesus Christ who he sent. So I want to introduce them to him if they don't already know him. A lot of times they're already Christians. They've already prayed. So I just ask them, hey, would you like to thank him? Oh, yeah, I'll thank him. So I had my friend Catherine that was down there. I said, hey, why don't you guys just pray together? Catherine, you guys pray, thank him and just seal it up. Seal up the healing that, uh, you know, if it's an attack of the enemy, he can't come back and just seal it up. So they did that. I humped the phone. It was beautiful. That whole interaction took probably four minutes. It's not long. And then I got a text the next day. I actually sent a text to my friend. I said, hey, how's Christine doing? And she texted me back and she said she has all of her movement is returned. She says she's probably 90% better in pain. So there's a little bit still there residual. And, you know, you might hear that and you might say, well, see, there you go. That's not a healing if there's still any pain. And that used to bother me because, honestly, I see it somewhat frequently. Um, we'll pray for somebody. They'll be at a pain of an eight. We'll pray. It'll go down to a four. We'll pray again. It'll go down to a three. We'll pray again. It goes down to a one and they're bending their knee or they're moving or they're squatting or they're picking up a heavy thing or whatever they couldn't do before. But they still have this low level, like pain of a one or something. And I asked the Lord, what is that? What is that? And when I, when you hear me say, I asked the Lord, I just, in my prayer time, I'm like, father, what's going on with that? Because I want to learn, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to lead me in all truth. You said, Lord, so what's going on with that? Am I doing something wrong? Do I need to grow in some area? You know, you just start to evaluate yourself first. And then I just hear in my heart, hear in my thoughts, something just goes poof and drops into my mind. And I just feel like the Lord said, you know, sometimes I keep them in that low level so that they are sensitive to other hurting people. Encourage them to pray for other hurting people and they will see their healing completely manifest and the other person get healed. And I have seen that so many times and it's the coolest thing because I'll follow up with this person that was at an eight and they went down to a one and I'll, you know, shoot them a text and say, I'd love to stay in contact. And I encourage them like, hey, go pray for hurting people. Maybe even go pray for people that have your same whatever pain, owie, injury. So they do, and I'll get a text from them in a couple days, and they're like, yeah, you know, I prayed for this lady in the mall who had a knee brace on just like I did, and all of her pain went away. She took off her knee brace in the mall, and now all my pain's gone too. It's glorious. It's the coolest thing because we're exponentially increasing those of us that are getting out there and being the hands of Jesus, and he's co-laboring with us. So I just told my friend Christine that, um, Hey, sometimes I see this, the Lord will kind of keep you 90% healed just to keep you sensitive to other hurting people because that's his heart. You know, when we see a healing, it's glorious. It's like angel choruses and, you know, rainbows and dolphins jumping through the rainbow and butterflies dropping pixie dust. And that's what we appreciate and what we kind of imagine in our mind when we see a supernatural healing or someone gets saved. A lot of times they get healed and saved. I've had them get healed and then saved and then baptized within 24 hours. That's amazing. It's glorious. But you know, 
that's what we see on this side of eternity. On the other side, our enemy, the devil sees carnage. He sees his realm being torn apart. He sees his agents being shredded with angel swords. I don't know. But he sees the power of God going off like a bomb and just crushing all of his stuff. This is an act of war. You have to appreciate that, that healing is warfare. This is not for the faint of heart. But when you prayed to receive Jesus, you stepped into a supernatural war. You stepped into a battle. And all of us are enlisted in that army. Lots of us have been hanging out in foxholes. That was me. We were hanging out in foxholes, just doing the best we could, living life, said the prayer, going to church, staying legit, not cheating on my taxes or my wife or whatever, and just doing life the best I can, waiting for the great by and by when everything will be made whole. Well, I'm here to tell you and what the Firestorm teams and Firestorm broadcast is about is that it's not about saying a prayer to go to heaven and waiting around for 70 or 80 years with a white knuckle grip on life because you can't hold on that long. You're going to crack. In your own strength, you're not going to make it. What if it's about not just saying a prayer to go to heaven, although that will happen. The Lord promises that. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I'd tell you. I go to prepare a place. There's a place for us. It's going to be amazing. But what if that's not the point? What if the point is saying a prayer to get heaven into you right now and then for the rest of your life manifesting the presence of God who lives inside of you every day, everywhere you go, breaking the devil's back as a part of your normal life, wrecking his kingdom through love, through the presence of Jesus who lives in you every day, everywhere you go. What if that's what it's about? Well, that's what I've learned. That's what God's doing with me. So Christine, all of her pain pretty much goes to zero. She's moving her thumb around. We're thankful for that one. Um, healing at a distance. It's the same thing as Jesus healing the centurion servant. We can just now do it over text message and over a phone call. I've seen cool things over a text message. I had a guy, um, he was losing vision in his eye and he sent a text, not just to me, but to a few people, um, to the one to me was personal. He's like, Scott, could you please pray for me? I have Bell's palsy, I think, and I'm seeing flashes and I'm losing vision in my right eye. And I'm like, yeah, well, I was in an airport at the time. I was in a gate waiting to take off. I couldn't really take a phone call. It's tight quarters and it just felt awkward. So I hammered out a prayer longhand in text. And it was just the same thing you heard. Father, I thank you in Jesus name for Holy Spirit power. I thank you, Lord, for touching my brother. His name's Sonny. I should get him on here. He's local. I thank you, Lord, for touching Sonny right now. On the authority of Jesus Christ, I command all flashing lights stop, all vision return. I be healed. All effects of Bell's palsy go now on the authority of Jesus Christ. And I hit send, knowing that Sonny's going to pick that up and he's going to read it the best he could. And he's basically going to pray that prayer right there, longhand. I type it out longhand and people say it. I get a text within like 90 seconds. Thank you, brother. All the lights flashing are gone. My vision's back. That was it. That was the extent of it. 
Um, which is awesome because it's not about me. I don't need him to say, you're amazing. That's actually what I don't want. As soon as you start making this about you, you're opening up a, a hook for the enemy to get in. Um, it's got to not be about us. So hopefully you all are, are picking that up from this. That, you know, these testimonies are not about the testimony giver. They're not about me. I'm not a super Christian. I'm just a son. I just know that my father loves me and Jesus lives in me through Holy Spirit and it makes him really happy every day as part of my normal life to touch the people around me. It makes him really happy. He really likes showing off and he does it all the time. So let's see. Here's another one. This is a guy I met at the same time. I remember I was mentioned I was in Pennsylvania. So this is like a week and a half ago and I took a team out. Me and uh, three other guys, we broke up into two teams. One of the dudes with us is a uh, NFL player, uh, plays for the Falcons, big guy, loves the Lord, wonderful man, and uh, two other big guys. And then there's me. And if you know me, yeah, I'm fully grown at five foot four and 150 pounds. I'm, I'm not huge. So I don't blend with these dudes. So we're out. And we're in a place in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, called Allison Hills. Uh, it's the hood. It's really rough. It's um, it's just, you know, it's where people are very dis- depressed and uh, drugs and all the negativity and all the stuff that you would expect. So that's where we go. Because like I said, if you want to see Jesus show off and the Holy Spirit show up in power, go to dark places. Um, We're going to a uh, spiritual arts expo next month, setting up a booth in the middle of what can very well be described as a witchcraft festival. And in the middle of that place, you know what we do? Our booth says spiritual reading and healings. And I have seen the coolest stuff when these witches come up and find out that God loves them and Jesus died for them and cares about them and that he isn't mad at them, but he's welcoming them home. Um, Witches getting healed, guys. Uh, Dramatic healings like short leg growing out before your eyes and people freaking out. I can feel it growing under my pants. That that's what we do. And, you know, that happened last year and all of the, we were right next to, they set our booth right next to like the leadership. It's basically a trade show. So they got a vendor hall and all the booths and people selling crystals and psychic readings and even more creepy out there occult stuff. Um, And then there's us, you know, the Christians with a praise band in the lobby because we changed the atmosphere. They love the live music. And, uh, praying for people. We just pray for folks. Some of our folks that move in the prophetic um, prophesy over people and just read their mail. And these folks have no idea how is this happening? We're like, it's Jesus. He sees you. He loves you. We see people healed. So I had this woman last year that came by the booth. I think she was actually a vendor. She was in another booth. And uh, one of my friends calls me over and says, Hey, Scott, uh, this lady has back and hip pain, and she she says she has one leg shorter than the other. So one leg shorter than the other is really common. I mean, we're talking like half an inch, super common. In fact, if you have ankle, knee, hip, back, even neck pain, you ought to have somebody check and see if you have one leg a little shorter. And if you're not 10 years old, if you're older than that, your body's been kind of not symmetrical for so many years, it just goes up the whole chain and you get ankle and then knee and then hip and then back and all goes all the way up. 
So when I meet somebody that has all of those or any of those, if it's appropriate, I'll usually sit them down and say, hey, did anybody ever check and see if you have one leg a little shorter than the other? Very often people are like, oh, yeah, I know I do. (laughs) Um, This lady at the Spiritual Arts Expo, she knew she had one leg a little shorter than the other. I think she worked for a chiropractor or had some chiropractic background or something, had had care. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know I have one leg shorter than the other. So we sit her down. We push her hips all the way back against the back of the chair or it was just a normal office chair. Push her hips all the way back so that they're squared up. And then we hold, I hold her heels in my hands, take her shoes off and hold her heels in my hands, um, just out, not, not don't lift high. It's if they're not flexible, it's uncomfortable, but just hold them. And what you, what we do is we just look from the top and we compare the ankle bones because ankle bones, um, they kind of stick out right there and you can see if they're side by side. If they're not, then one something is a little shorter. And sure enough, this lady had one leg who was a little shorter than the other. So, uh, and I've seen probably almost a dozen short legs grow out maybe in a year, year and a half, maybe one a month. And it's crazy amazing. It's the coolest thing because right there in the moment, the Lord does a creative miracle and you can watch their leg grow <laughs> and they freak out and all of their pain goes away. I've seen it probably a dozen times. We've talked about it on this show. So we're at this event and uh, the lady has a short leg in the middle of a witchcraft festival. And my friend says, hey, Scott, we have, you know, short leg. Would you come over and pray? So we do. He, he takes a picture. He videos it. And what I do is I hold her heels, compare her ankles, and then I do this. I close my eyes. I don't look. I don't want to see it. And I lock my skeleton. I lock my, my shoulders and my arms. I don't want to push, pull, lift, move, twist. I'm not doing anything. I'm just supporting the weight of their feet. And we prayed. And we prayed really quick, as always. Father, you love my friend. I think her name was Michelle. Father, you love Michelle. You paid such a price for her, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for all of her pain to go right now. I command all pain in the hips. Go now in Jesus' name. And then we get into the leg. Father, you're a good God. You love us so much. I thank you, Lord, for healing power. You said to lay our hands on the sick and they'd recover. So on your authority, from your word, on the authority of Jesus Christ, I command right leg grow right now. New bone, new muscle, new tendon. I just riff. Remember, I'm not looking and I'm freezing my skeleton. Now, I've seen legs grow out really fast. In fact, the first one I did, I the Lord healed this way. Uh, it came out so fast. The first thing that went through my mind is I hope it stops because <laughs> I had this vision of like a Pinocchio. <laughs> no, you know, it did. It was great. But uh, but then other times it's really slow. It was really slow this time. It probably took two minutes. That's a really long time when you're standing with a strange lady's feet in your in your hands. And, uh, you know, there's other people all around. So it's not awkward like that. But we pray. And I said, I don't want to look. And I say to the lady, my eyes are shut. I don't want to look. Do you notice anything going on? And she giggles like a little kid. It was really sweet. 
And she says, oh, yeah, I, I feel it growing under my pants. She's just stunned. Well, that gets the attention of the leadership of this convention who was right next to us. We got, I don't know if they just want to keep an eye on us, but they plopped our booth right next to like the head booth. And um, so they start looking and we have it on video. They got huge eyes. They're stunned. We take a look again. I open my eyes. We look and ankle bones perfectly line up. The Lord grew her leg out in the moment about half to three quarters of an inch. And it happened slowly. And we asked her to check her body, check your hips, check your back. And she's like, yeah, my hips, all my pain's gone. Uh, she's standing up. She's marching. She's doing all the stuff. And uh, so the Lord healed her right there. So the point of that story is that it seems in my experience that if you want to see Holy Spirit move in authority and power dramatically, go to scary, dark places. Go to places where the light isn't and the light will scatter darkness. If you just do this in the church, when everybody's kind of in the same mindset, there's no risk. When there's not as much risk, I don't think the anointing, my experience is the anointing doesn't flow the same way with me. I need to actually create risk. So let's do a couple more. So this is one from last week. So I'm in Allison Hills, uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's the, the, just the really rough area, very urban, all the problems that you know from an inner city area. And there's a man there and he's uh, waiting for a bus. He's leaning against the side of a building waiting for a bus. So my buddies contact him. Hey, you know, we're Christians. We're just down here praying for people. How can we pray for you? And he says, uh, are you Christians? I think we already said that, but he clarifies again. They just want to know, make sure that we're not, you know, going to be some fringy group that he's afraid of. And I don't blame him. So you want to make sure that you're moving in love. We don't target people. We're not, you know, oh, look, a limping guy. Get him. It's not hunting for game. These people are not targets. They're beloved children that might be lost children. So when we move in love and we say, Father, give me your eyes to see people the way you do, then he opens your eyes to people. And neat stuff happens. Like, I just can't stop noticing that guy over there. I wouldn't normally look at him three times, but I just did. Lord, is that you? And then you have to do the awkward thing and step out of your comfort zone and go up to this stranger in a strange place and say, hey, buddy, I just feel like God highlighted you to me. Is there anything I can pray for you for? I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And I just feel like God's highlighting you. So he did that to this man. His name was James. Uh, James is a lovely man. Um, he asked for something very standard, like, please just pray for my family or, you know, my job or, you know, not very personal. And we did. And it was great. And then, you know, we just said, hey, it's Jesus sees you. He loves you. Do you know him? And it's like, oh, yeah, I know him. I know him. And he was, you know, we just talked a moment longer about that, that he he's a believer. And that's cool. And then I said to him, because I wasn't entirely confident that there wasn't more. I just felt like God had more for him than just kind of a basic innocuous prayer of pray for my family and my job. Uh, I said, hey, do you have. Do you have any pain in your body? Do you have any, 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 any hurt or any injury? And he's young. I'd give him mid thirties. You know, he's super healthy looking. He's 
and doesn't have any crutches or braces or anything that would lead you to believe he's not well. But he shows me this finger. He's got a broken finger, historically broken. It's not currently broken, but it healed wrong. He said he was from Haiti. He broke it when he was young, and it's really bent, um, dramatically bent. Like, I, I don't know geometry, but enough that it was clearly bent to the side. And it was like the top knuckle, the, the highest knuckle, um, really twisty on the top there. So I'm like, yeah, dude, I'd love to pray for you. So he's got a twisted, broken, jacked up, leaning finger. And, and so I just cupped his hand his, between my hands. Uh, I don't even really touch him, just kind of cup it in there. And said a quick prayer with my buddy, Stephen, who is a dear friend, one of my best friends. He's standing there with me. And, uh, and we prayed for this man. Father, I thank you, Lord, for complete restoration. I speak life into this finger. I command finger, you be straightened right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. The guy didn't have any pain. I think it had been hurt so long. It was just irritating. Um, and I got my eyes shut. And I asked, so I asked my buddy, Stephen, I'm like, hey, man, do you notice anything? Because uh, I don't want to look and, you know, cast some unbelief or something. Do you notice anything? And he's like, well... I think it's, I think it's straighter, which means it's probably not right. So, uh, without opening my eyes, I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to pray one more time, James. So I prayed one more time. And as I'm preparing to pray, I hear this in my head, stretch out your hand. This is what Jesus did. This was in uh, Matthew 12, Jesus healing the man with a shriveled hand in the synagogue, right? And there's all kinds of teaching points with that. Um, he's mostly just like tweaking the religious community more than anything, but he's also healing the shriveled guy's hand dramatically. And he says, stretch out your hand. So I pray again, Father, I thank you, Lord, for complete restoration in this finger. And on the authority of Jesus Christ, I say, stretch out your hand. In Jesus' name, to his great glory. And I open my eyes and I look and the dude's finger is completely straight. And my friend Stephen confirms it and James confirms it. And he's like, wow, that's awesome. But honestly, that's not the point of that testimony. We kind of go about, we're wandering around the local area, praying for some other people. Um, and uh, actually, no, before we wandered away, after his finger gets healed, he says this to me. He says, my wife and I have been trying to have a baby. It's been five years and we just can't. Could you pray for that? So he shares a deep personal thing. This is way more than just pray for my job and stuff, right? My, my wife and I have been trying to have a baby and we just can't. So I'm like, yeah, man, I'd love to pray for that. God loves babies. So I take his hand and we pray together. And I'm like, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you love babies. Would you just manifest a child in this couple's life? You love them so much, Lord. And then I hear in my head, and it's really stressful in a way because you got to step out and say it. And I just said, I, James, I just, I hear the Lord say, my son, I've seen your faithfulness. Prepare a nursery. A son is coming. Wow. For me, I've never done that. I've never been that bold. I don't want to get people's hopes up. I don't want to be that guy that, you know, but I just felt it in my heart. It was almost a compulsion. I said, I feel like the Lord is saying, my son, I've seen your faithfulness. Prepare a nursery for a son is coming. And I said, I thank you, Lord, for that son. We call him forth in Jesus name. And I leave and we're wandering around the area right there. And uh, the guy runs across the street with his phone in his hand, 
He says two things. First thing he says is, I'm not even supposed to be here. You need to know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm at a different bus stop, but they texted me about 30 minutes ago and said, the bus won't come to that stop today. Go to this other place. I've never been here before. I'll probably never be here again, but I believe that I was supposed to be here so you could pray for me. I'm like, sweet. That's awesome. Yay, Jesus. And then he says this. He says, my wife is on the phone. She wants to thank you. I'm like, okay. So I talked to this man's wife, lovely lady. Her name was Claire. And uh, I said, I just feel like the Lord said that and just rest in it. He loves you. He sees you. Uh, Prepare a nursery. A child's coming. I think it's a son. And she thanked me. And uh, my buddy. And then I got James's cell number or his, uh, we texted and he sent me a thank you that night. And uh, I hope to keep in touch with him and find out. And uh, so that was just beautiful. You know, guys, all of this is available for every believer. I love the fact that, you know, when we engage with someone, if you just hang out in that for a moment, be love, move in love, eager to love, the Lord will peel the onion back and show you more and more things. You know, the, the one that started with the guy just saying, yeah, just pray for my job. I'm a graphic designer. It's hard to get work, COVID this, that, you know, we started with that, went to, he gets his finger childhood injury gets healed in the moment, um, straightened his finger. And then he shares the thing about the personal thing about he and his wife, not being able to conceive, able to pray into that. He runs across the street, gets my number, talk to his wife. I mean, it's just so beautiful and it's all because of love. You can do this. This is available for every believer. I've got about three minutes more and I got many more testimonies. I'm going to, and this is all just stuff. Here's one that just happened on Sunday. So I was in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana for a wedding. One of my dear friends was getting married, went to Louisiana in August. Wow, that's a spectacularly hot place. So we were having lunch or breakfast and we went to an IHOP, me and uh, two friends. And we're talking to the waitress. So, hey, here's how you minister to waitresses. So she brings the food and and I just say this. I'm like, hey, we're about to pray for the food. Hey, I know how hard you guys work. All of my daughters did weighted tables and I know people aren't always super nice to you. Hey, can we pray for you too? Is there anything we can pray for you for? I've never had a wait staff say no. So this young woman, about twenties, she's like, oh, thank you so much. My father died one month ago today and I'm just keeping it together, but I'm just really having a hard time. And she sticks out her hand and grabs my hand and we pray for her. And, uh, you know, just that, and I felt like the father gives me, I, I said, her name was Adriana. I said, Adriana, I just feel like the Lord is saying, my daughter, I love you so much. I didn't take your father, but I received him. And I said, and I feel like the Lord is saying, your father is interceding for you right now in the throne room of God. He's interceding for you as a dear daughter. The Lord sees you and he loves you. And the lady's crying. She's kind of crying. She's wiping back tears. And she says, can I hug you? And so, yes. So we all three hugged the waitress. And then she comes back a few minutes later, still a little affected. And she says, I just want to thank you so much. You know, this was such a hard day, but I feel, I feel so much better now. I'm like, that's Jesus. He loves you. He sees you. And she says, oh, I love him. So that's kind of how I confirmed her salvation. So we've got, you know, a couple things going on, but at the end, it's just about him. It's about letting them know how much he loves them. So we go through our meal. She actually hugs us again when she brings us the check. 
sweet. And I asked her if she has any kids. She doesn't. She's unmarried, 25 years old. And I said, Adriana, I just want you to know you are the princess to be one. Make them work for it. Make them win you because you are worth it. And she thanks me. And then last thing, we rocked her world with a $100 tip at IHOP. Because I want her to remember that day. You know, often Christians are uh, known as kind of stingy and not very giving. We need to turn that upside down. We should be the most generous people on the planet. So we rocked her. She'll remember that. So I am running out of time. I got more. I was going to tell you about the demonized girl in my living room. I was going to tell you about uh, the sushi waitress, but we didn't have time for it. Hopefully all of this encourages you that there's so much more to the Christian life if we just practice engaging with people and eagerly pursue love. You will see the Lord backfill that with his spirit and he will touch people. He loves them so much. So you can find us if you want to follow us. You can find us on the web at firestormunited.org. You can see old shows. You can tie in with our team. You can see the show notes and the history of some of these of you know supernatural events that we've seen. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook. We have a fairly large Facebook following. On Facebook, we're Firestorm United. And you can also see the live shows because we also have video on there. So if you'd like to see us, there we are and send questions and comments. We love that. And we also pray for you on there when you share prayer concerns. So get out there, do your job, be love. The Lord loves you and he wants to touch people through you. Thank you for listening to the Firestorm podcast with your host, Scott Gilbert. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're looking for more about the Firestorm Equipping Ministry, you can find us on the web at firestormunited.org. We're also on Facebook at Firestorm United. If you'd like to partner with us, equipping the body of Christ for revival, you can give on our website, firestormunited.org. Tune in to our next episode where we meet Steve Spellman again. If you've ever listened to Steve's testimony, it's an amazing story of being shot, of being in pain for years, and then being supernaturally healed in the moment. What we didn't know, and in the next show, Steve will detail how he actually had a creative miracle in the moment, and the Lord regrew lung and bones, ribs that had been surgically removed. The healing continues with Steve Spellman in next episode of Firestorm.